Welcome to a special program from infertility to family. It can be a difficult subject. This hour, we talk about finding the pathway to parenthood using today's fertility treatments. Today's show is brought to you by the Utah Fertility Center. Our host is Amanda Dixon on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're trying to make this subject not so difficult and more approachable because it involves your family and love. And it's something I think many people are touched by and need to know more about. And I'm grateful to Dr. Russell Folk, who's with us. He is the medical director of the Utah Fertility Center. And very grateful to Tyler and Callie, who are here, who have gone through treatments, and I am super glad to say are pregnant <laughs> with with twins. Is that yep, right? Yep, with twins. twins. <laughs> and I want to start this segment by asking you, Doctor, that there are some common causes of infertility. Can you share some of those with us in a, gen- in a general way? Yeah. So you can always break down the causes of infertility based upon what is required to get pregnant. You just say, well, if I need sperm, for example, to make a baby, then if my sperm count's abnormal, then it's going to somehow compromise my ability to have a baby. So the basics of reproduction are just a woman ovulating, having an egg, having a normal uterus with her fallopian tubes, and having sperm that are able to do their job. So the common causes relate to those three items. If you can look at your plumbing, I call it, which is the uterus, the tubes, (laughs) the sperm counts, and whether a woman ovulates, she'll identify 80% of the causes of infertility. So backing up more from there, because do we do anything that we control that can contribute to having healthier plumbing, as you say? Um, To a degree. I mean, a lot of conditions might affect someone regardless of their volition, regardless of their activity. But I think in your lifetime, you can certainly do things to keep you healthy and also recognize where there could be a problem. So, for example, if a young man had, say, a testicular torsion or an injury or cancer treatments or something that could have compromised the sperm count, then don't wait until you get frustrated before you seek care. Say, you know what, I think I could have a problem and maybe I should check it out sooner. Or on the on the female side, if a woman's cycles are not regular, typically if a woman ovulates, her periods are like clockwork. Mm-hmm. And conversely, a rule of thumb is if they're not regular, then you're usually not ovulating. So you don't necessarily have to wait a year to fix that. You just look at your cycles and say, well, they're every 25 to 35 days. That's not normal. They should be much more regular, like every 28 days. So I know I'm probably not ovulating. I need to go fix that Mm -hmm. and then seek care or do something to help with that regard. So when we talk about treatment options, can we discuss some of those options? For sure, yeah. The nice thing about that model when you identify the cause is once you fix it, then you should be normal again, right? So if a woman does not ovulate and you help them to ovulate, you restore the hormones and get your your cycle is more regular and you're ovulating, then you should be as fertile as anyone else. Then that could be just as simple as that. Right. So exactly. if she's not having regular periods and you can prompt that, exactly. then there's not any extraordinary measure is necessary. It's just that. Exactly. So what else? Um, if a man's sperm count is low, for example, you can do intrauterine inseminations where you take the sperm and put them closer to their target. So instead of them depositing in the lower reproductive tract, you can put it in the upper reproductive tract and they have a head start to find the egg. Well, that sounds... Maybe a little more difficult, but still. <laughs> so, uh, and what else is that? Is, are those the two main things? Uh, well, that fixes those two specific problems. If someone, for example, has endometriosis, which is a common cause, and it's destroyed her fallopian tubes, mm-hmm. well, the tubes are very difficult to fix. We used to do surgeries back in the '90s, 
And we found that it wasn't working very well, and so that's where the advent of in vitro fertilization was developed to bypass the tubes. We say if the tubes don't work, then we can certainly take the egg and sperm, bring them together, and put them back to the uterus. Wow. So what options did you discuss, may I ask? Yeah, so we started with the IUIs, intrauterine insemination. Okay. We did two of those, two rounds of that, because I was my periods were a little bit irregular, so oh. they thought I just wasn't ovulating every month. Right. Um, after those didn't work, we did... In vitro fertilization. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Big so, guy. <laughs> so you had two things that didn't work. Yeah. So you got bad news twice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Can I, can I just ask about that? Because I'm sure there are people listening who think, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to have fertility treatments, and I'm going to get bad news. So how did you, ha- how did you handle that? Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, when you go in, you think, you know, this is just, this is going to work. Like we're Boom. at the fertility center. Yeah, I'm going to get fertility treatments. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> right. I'm going gonna... to have a baby. It's going to work. Yeah. So it was a little bit hard. I think we were both a little bit discouraged about it, but Dr. But you Falk, don't give up. Right. And he stayed so positive and he was like, you know, if this doesn't work, this is the next step. If that doesn't work, here's the next step. So we knew that there were more options. That wasn't our only thing that we could try. And if it didn't work too bad. Try, try again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and where is, if I can jump in. Yes, where, please. Before we went to Dr. Falk, it was, you know, we, we tried several different things, um, and it didn't end up working out. And so I feel like we almost conditioned ourselves that a no was going to come. Yeah. And that was really discouraging. And it was, it was, you know, almost numbing to us. But then when we went to Dr. Fault, like Kelly said, it was just a matter of, for us, a matter of time. Even though we had to try a couple of times, we knew that it was just a matter of time and it would happen for us. So even though the no's were discouraging, there was always that hope at the end, like, this is going to happen for us. We just got to keep plugging along. Yeah. So. yeah. so then you finally get all right, so what? Can I just jump ahead and ask what's it like to get a positive pregnancy test after <laughs> after all that you've been through? Yeah, it's kind of a shocker. Like you don't really trust it. <laughs> you you probably did that <laughs> test ten times. Oh, oh she, yeah, look, yeah, it still she, says plus. She look, literally did. That's yeah. blue. That's yeah. definitely blue. Yeah. <laughs> look, that's blue. That's so blue. Yeah. That was even before we got the confirmation from them. So yeah, yeah it, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's. Almost... I'm framing that stick. That stick is going on the <laughs> oh, wall. Oh, they're still on our bathroom <laughs> counter. Still like, they're still there. <laughs> <laughs> we still have four of them on the counter. <laughs> So funny. So there yeah, are, there are trophies. Oh, but, I yeah, love that. It's it's exciting. It's beyond exciting. And of course, you know, family and friends that are involved with the process. It's huge for them. Answer to prayers for them. And so it's just a completely joyous moment. It's it's awesome. You know, yeah. I think about my own children, and I think about uh, d- children need to know how much they're wanted. Mm-hmm. And this child of these two children yeah. of your of yours. <laughs> They will know, no matter what, no, in the good times and the bad, these two boys or girls or boy and girl will know that they, and I'm going to get emotional, I'm sorry about that, <laughs> that they were absolutely wanted. There will never be a, any sort of a, you know, even on the worst day, right. they will know their mom and dad went through hoops to bring them here. That must be a beautiful thing you see all the time, Doctor. Oh, it's the greatest feeling in the world. I mean, I have five children of my own, and my wife and I suffered from infertility for six years. Really? Is that why you got into this line of work? It is, yeah. It's kind of an interesting story. Do you mind sharing it? Uh, Well, we had two children, and then for six years we couldn't get pregnant, and I was planning to become an orthopedic surgeon. But my wife and I could not get pregnant, so I started looking into reproductive medicine and was fascinated by it, by, by not only the the ability to overcome it, but just the technology and the cutting-edge um, services that are available to treat it, and then the emotional aspects of it to be able to help people that, that have such a tragic condition. So 
we fixed the problem, obviously, had three more children, so now we have the five. But through that parenting, you realize how much of a blessing you can bring to other people. And it has motivated me beyond what an average physician might do. I mean, I'm, if you ask my wife, I'm married to my field. I am so motivated to overcome this disease because I see what it does to people. Mm. And they weep in your office, and they probably hug you. You probably get a lot of hugs in your oh, office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what would you say then, may I ask both of you, yeah. to people who are struggling with trying to get pregnant and are listening to this program? I'll start with you, Tyler. I, I would say, first of all, don't feel like you're the only people out there that are going through it. That was a common thing I think we felt like, you know, because we looked at our friends. We looked at my siblings that are married, and it— they were having kids whenever they wanted to, it seemed like. And so it's easy to feel like you're the only one, but the reality is, is that's just not true. Um, and then secondly, if you are having issues, I would say go, you know, after that year has passed, go to a fertility specialist because it's it's so much easier. It's what they do. They just provide you so much clarity. So yeah. what do you think? Yeah, Kevin? it's most likely a simpler option than you think. I think when we couldn't get pregnant on our own, we thought, we're never going to have kids. Like, this is just how it's going to be. We're going to have to adopt. Or, But then once we, I just think you need to take that step. And once you take that step, I think you get a lot of clarity. And, yeah, you just feel better about, mm-hmm. you know, realizing that there's options out there. You don't just have to do it on your own. And, you know, they're professionals. They know what mm-hmm. they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, And I know that, I mean, do, does it ever happen, doctor, that you work with someone and it, and it just doesn't work out on rare occasion? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, remember, in order to have a baby, we don't break any biological rules. Yeah. We follow God's law. And right. so as long as someone has a healthy sperm, a healthy egg, and a healthy uterus, 100% of the time, they will get a baby eventually. But if someone, for example, does not have a healthy egg, if we take a woman, say, who's 45 years old, she may have run out of eggs, and yet she still yearns for a child. Well, in that situation, we're limited. We cannot find a good egg from a 45-year-old commonly. And so that's where we would fail if we tried. So a lot of it has to do with counseling and saying, well, if you don't have eggs, there's other options. I mean, we um, Kelly mentioned adoption, but the option of an egg donor is a common thing that people are doing when they're waiting now for a baby later in life. And that works 100% of the time in people that have those three qualities. I want to talk about um, all of the technology when we come back in just a moment because, I mean, an egg donor, that sounds like (laughs) very Star Trek to to people who are listening, I'm sure. But I want to talk about that, that wanting to have your own baby is something that I think everyone can can understand, but people do wait late in life. They have they have their careers, and then all of a sudden they wake up and think, "Oh my gosh, did I did I wait too long?" And that the answer to that is no, because of things like egg donors sometimes, right? Or even other options nowadays, even more Star Trekky, yeah, <laughs> more, more nerdly, is um, egg freezing. So what's oh becoming very popular now is egg freezing. If people have been watching the media, the the option of a, of a woman going through her lifetime and seeing the future, seeing that perhaps they're not ready to have a child yet or they don't have the right partner or what have you, then they can freeze their eggs and save them until the time when, when it's right to have a child. Okay. All right. We'll take a break and then learn all about these fascinating new technologies with my guests on this interesting show. It is Fertility and Your Family. Dr. Russell Falk is with me, the medical director of the Utah Fertility Center. And Tyler and Callie, who are expecting twins, are here with us at KSL. Back in just a moment. (laughs) 